Welcome to the To Read List. I'm Bailey, and this is a podcast where I attempt to get through the 131 unread books on my shelf. With me, as always, is my friend Toby. 100th, hey. My brother Andrew. Bow, bow, bow. And my husband Dylan's the sound recordist. 101st, hey. See, now, Toby, you know how it feels when Dylan just one-ups you. It's terrible. Yeah, doesn't it make you feel like garbage? It, it does. Well, no, it also makes me very angry at Dylan. So, you know, there's that too. That tracks. Guys, we did it. 100. We're done. <laughs> yeah, we could finally end the podcast, right? <laughs> we read all 100 of her books. I had a new friend who just checked out the podcast. Uh-huh. And they were like... Yeah, so I checked out an original, like one of your first episodes, and Billy said she had something like 140 books. And I listened to one of your latest episodes, and she has like 138. How does that work? <laughs> I was like, oh, listen to more episodes. You'll find out. <laughs> I don't have any shame this time, guys. No more books acquired. Mm. But yeah, it's been a journey. It's been a journey here on the to read list. We've gone up and down, and everybody has had the same problem, and nobody has significantly reduced their list. Certainly not. Yeah, I have because I've just done Toby it. Toby definitely has. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. We, we we're all done, Billy. What? No, guys, you're supposed to be on my side. Well, no, I'm not going to lie for you. <laughs> That's also certainly not how this podcast works. <laughs> yeah, we're all done reading. We finished. Well, <laughs> it just feels weird to have a regular opening. I feel like I need to have something flashier. So did you not hear my bop bop bow? Yeah, I know. That was good. I wrote down some of my favorite memories of the past hundred episodes. <laughs> Do you want to oh, hear? Oh, please them? indulge us. Yeah, yes. I would love. Yeah, this is great. Okay. One was, remember when we used to announce all the countries that listened to us? Yes, the foreign report. Oh. Yeah. My baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cause, but then we got all the countries to listen to us, so there's no need for it anymore. Honestly, mm-hmm. Dylan, you're joking, but pretty close. At least like one download in, in most countries. Well, our stretch goal is the ISS and then Mars. And the rover on Mars is streaming the To Read List podcast. That's, uh, that's when I'll feel complete. To be fair, we don't know that it wasn't. It could have downloaded some episodes before it got there. True. It's true. So I was remembering that. I was remembering um, how we got joke books in the mail from our friend Kate, and you guys made me read the Clay Aiken book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a great episode. I also think that was the first, the last episode before you went on maternity leave. Yeah, because I was like, guys, pick, oh, wow. pick a special book for me. And that brings me to my special memories, which is when I did this with Toby alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, Bailey. Bailey, we like you. But Uh-oh. also, Toby, I do think of that fondly. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I really like doing that, too, but not in a way where I don't like you know, Bailey and Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough tightrope. Yeah, it really is. But it's it's crazy to think we did it for like three months all by ourselves. How bizarre. Yeah. yeah. And no credit to you guests that we brought on and really helped us out. Yeah. <laughs> Jillian. Camille. <laughs> Talia. We interviewed an author, Rory Power, about Wilder Girls. Mm-hmm. That was cool. We used to do that. Maybe we'll do that again. We Maybe. All, we all went to Andrew's wedding. That was cool. We should have gotten a picture all together. Is that part of the podcast? We yeah. Have, that, I guess that is technically part of the podcast. We should have recorded a podcast at our table at his wedding. I'm sure that wouldn't oh. throw any scheduling off at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I've just enjoyed all the times that we've recorded in person. Sometimes we've recorded mm-hmm. all together and then like my mom or somebody is like sitting on the couch and watching us. That's a bit weird. I just like being with you guys. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I'm sad. oh and then there was the time when you traveled the entire united states toby and we're recording from different spots every time yeah i liked that part that was fun i don't miss your audio from that part no i don't i don't think anyone does for an undisclosed reason i was listening to the old episodes Uh and i don't miss how we used to record this yeah and how much better our audio is now Mm. We did upgrade our microphones, yeah. which helped a lot. Yeah, having streamed some old episodes on HumboldtHotAir.org, catch me every Wednesday at 2 p.m., plug, plug, plug. Um, you, Yeah, those old episodes at audio are pretty rough. I don't think I'd recommend anybody start at the beginning. You, sh- you should like us now and then go back when you already like us. We should Please. have just lied and said this is our 50th episode. We started at episode 50. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Toby, Andrew, any memories? I mean, y'all had a baby. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That's fun. I, I yeah. forgot. Very book related. Speaking of Maggie, the other day she was staying with her grandparents, Dylan's parents, and they took a video. She visited a little free library and she picked up a book and she insisted there was kids books. And she's like, no, I want purple, purple. She wanted the purple book. And they're like, your mommy already has that book. She's like, purple. And it was Outlander. So, guys, now I have two copies of Outlander. <laughs> well, that is like literally what you did uh, a few weeks ago. Week. You took a little free library copy of Outlander. <laughs> it was purple. 
It's blue. Sorry, yeah, Max. Isn't it? Sorry, Max. What about you, Toby? Any any memories? Yeah, I remember you coming up with the idea for this podcast and us doing the first couple episodes and me just being like, hey, this is not half bad. <laughs> I was nervous. I was like, this could turn out cringy or bad or something. And I was like, oh, I actually enjoy this. And it's not so bad. And that was a, I don't know, it was a big deal for me. I really enjoyed that. You should always trust me. I always have good ideas. That's the lesson there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm getting into embroidery floss. That's what you've taught me. <laughs> <laughs> what were y'all's like craziest cramming reading? I'm trying to think back to that because I have some fond memories of like reading Death with Interruptions in like three hours um, <laughs> before recording uh, or Fault in Our Stars. I think I read in about mm, an hour and a half or like a lot of it in like an hour and a half. 1984, I didn't start till the night before, like starting at like 7 p.m. before we were going to oh, record. Yeah. And I read till like Same. 4 a.m. I think it was bad. Yeah. And then The Red Tent, I read literally until we pressed record. You know what's funny is that I think that scholastically you guys probably outpace me 10 to 1. But in terms of reading on time, I'm pretty good. Like, I, I don't really... Honestly, this one, Anne of Green Gables, is probably my most rush read. Every other time I've been, like, a couple days ahead, a week ahead. I'm on top of it, guys. What can I say? Hundred, wow, hundred, cool. hundredth hey. My problem, and I don't... I think Andrew might have this, too, is, like, what happens is we'll get the new book chosen, assigned, and I'll be like, sweet, I have two weeks to read this book that's going to be fun and easy. So I'll just finish the 600-page book I'm reading for fun mm-hmm. first, and then I don't finish it until, like, the Wednesday before we're going to record on Saturday. And then I'm like, oh, I should have just started earlier. That's my problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mine's that, except I don't read the 600-page book for fun. I just procrastinate. (laughs) Or you think, this is a Canadian children's book. How hard could it be to get through? And then you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Also, there was one episode where poor Andrew had a problem with his audio, and we had it all done, but Andrew's audio didn't work. So Andrew had to record just the things he said, and I had to splice it in so it sounded like he was there with us. Remember that? (laughs) Yeah. No. I was on a writer's retreat in the middle of nowhere with like no internet. It was awful. And I was like, Andrew, Ugh. okay, I need you to say, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but naturally, like naturally. Ugh. In a cool, impressive way. But nobody seemed to notice, so nailed it. There you go. Excellent. Well, those are some great memories. And now I want to know if anybody has any new memories, aka any new shame. You Ooh. guys, not not me, any of you. <laughs> uh, Toby, do you have any? No. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Pedro, oh, so for, you know, the 96th time. <laughs> Yay, 100th shame. Yeah, I have a few pieces of shame. I've been spending some time at some some bookstores, and you got to buy something when you're at the bookstore. Oh, no, that's dangerous, Andrew. <laughs> so I have a little shame, and let's talk it out. Talk that before you walk it out. Um, so <laughs> uh, I was at a wedding, staying in this college town, uh, went to pick up a copy of Anne of Green Gables because I um, needed it for the podcast. This little college mm-hmm. bookstore didn't have it, but they oh. did have Stay True by Hua Su, who is no longer, I believe he now teaches at Bard, but was a professor at Vassar where I went. I didn't have any of his classes, but he writes for The New Yorker. It's a memoir. I'm excited to read it. I only heard glowing things about his teaching. Cool. So I'm going to check that out. I also, thinking way back to a recommendation Toby had a long time ago, I picked (gasps) up a copy um, when I was trying to kill some time in rough draft bookstores in Kingston. Uh, I picked up a copy of Exhalation by Ted Chang. Oh, yes. I knew you, I knew you'd be into that, Toby. <laughs> I am way into that. I this what's funny is I just finished reading Stories of Your Life and Others, which is his first collection. Um and they're both incredible, like five-star reads 100%, but I'd say Exhalation is like a 5.5 star read. What? That's wow, that's favorite. not even permitted. I know. That's out of control. Wow. Yeah, 5.5 stars. Anyway, eat it, Bailey. Enjoy <laughs> it, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you. And eagle-eared listeners might realize there's a little <laughs> hole in my story here, which is that I hadn't picked up a copy of Anne of Green Gables yet. So I went to another store where they did have a copy and picked up a copy also of The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, though I'm pretty close to finishing that in honor of the close of this spookiest of seasons. That one's on my to-read nice. list. I keep thinking I'm going to read it over Halloween, but maybe next year. Maybe next year. Is it spooky? So far, it hasn't been super spooky, um, mm. but... You can tell it's gonna be. <laughs> well, Andrew, good shame. I'm glad I'm glad we had some shame on our 100th episode. Otherwise, Pedro's would be a very upset Yeah, no, it does feel appropriate. It's true. Solid shame. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, 
Now's the time that we review the book that the listeners picked for us to read in our 100th episode. Yes. It's a book I've had on my shelf since I was a child. It is Anne. Of Green Cities. No. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Gables. Uh, Good job, Dylan. Yay. Anne of Green Gables. Yay. Okay, so it's been a long time since we've all read the same book. I feel like the last one was Piranesi or Rebecca, maybe. How do, how do yeah, you guys want to do this? Do you want to share our stars up front? And then... No. We okay. do it at the end. Okay. I hold that to my chest closer than Marilla holds her affection. Oh, yeah. Okay. He read the book, folks. I don't know. Bailey, I think you give great reviews, so I would love if you gave a review and then we could jump in with commentary. Okay. This will, that's a compliment for you. Thank you. I, I'll take it. Because we always want to interrupt you while you're doing your reviews, and now that's we true, have permission. Yeah. <laughs> now you officially can. <laughs> From ourselves. Okay. Before I get into the Orcs and Elves, the review. Anyway, part. so what I thought about no. Green Cables. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's do our progressive logline time. Oh, God. Can we retire this after the 100th episode? <laughs> no. Nope. We always do such a nope. bad job yeah. with it. Please retire this. Yeah, this will be the last it's one. It's everybody's favorite. Okay. In? 1900s. Canada. A. Girl. Named. Anne. Is. Adopted. By. A pair. Of. Mm, old people. <laughs> older siblings. Yeah, I think I would have said siblings. <laughs> okay, siblings. Who come with oh. <laughs> uh, with trepidation to love her? Yay! Yay! All right, Dylan really threw a, a <laughs> monkey wrench in there with the with. You threw a monkey wrench yeah, with no, the there's come. Some real terror there. <laughs> it was come to love her. Oh, okay. Yeah. How am I supposed to know that? We have a hive mind here. Um, yes, yeah. that is the concept of Anne of Green Gables. Toby, would you say that it aligns with what you thought it was, which was, quote, a story about a girl in her garden? Kind of. <laughs> like, uh, it is about a girl and she loves nature. Mm-hmm. So she's not British. She's Canadian. But I don't know. I don't think I was terribly off. It's not like she goes to Mars or something. I think you probably got like 60%. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the first in a series of books. I believe there are seven or eight books. So this is the first one. And like we said, it follows Anne Shirley, who is adopted by Matthew and Marilla Cuthbert. But what they were looking for is a boy to help around the farm because Matthew's getting old and they need help. But when Matthew goes to pick up the orphan at the train station, it's little Anne Shirley. And he's like, mm-hmm. uh-oh. Oh, should I just leave her there? But then he meets her and she is the most <laughs> charming redheaded girl in the entire world. And also maybe charming girl in the entire world. Uh, she has red hair. Pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hard pass. For our red haired listeners at home who have not read this book, it is because she self disparages herself for having red hair quite a bit. It's an inside like joke. We are not trying to mock you. It's so funny because she's always like, oh, boring red hair. I'm like, what do you mean? Red hair is great. She's like, I want to have nut brown hair. Yeah, I also like how they frame early in this book when the, you know, the adopters are not like sure about Anne. It like is kind of a lesson about doing your shopping yourself and not <laughs> yeah. sending someone else to do it for you. They're like, oh, man, I really should have gone to pick up the kid myself. I say that several times. Because they had like a friend like pick out the orphan for them to send to them. The orphan's like, I swear you said girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and poor Anne sitting there like, what? What are you going to do with me? They're like, got to return her. But they forgot the receipt, and then they have to keep her. (laughs) I will say, that's honestly, the beginning of the book is my favorite part, probably my favorite part of the book, because it is quite tense, honestly, like, Mm -hmm. not quite tense. You don't think that they're going to give her back, but there's enough suspense in there. You know, they needed this orphan for a practical purpose, and in their mind, in these times, Anne does not serve that purpose. And, you know, Marilla is a character who can be kind of cold, and you're like, oh, is she going to, you know, warm to this girl? I don't know. I, I I was very easily able to put my adult mind to the side and be worried, as I'm certain a kid would be, like, genuinely, like, are they going to send Anne back, and is this book going to be about Anne? And dealing with it at the orphanage. <laughs> that would be very dark. <laughs> yeah. What do y'all think you could most use an orphan for? Mm. <laughs> you know how many times I've sent Bailey to the store to get an orphan and she comes back with a girl and it's like, no, Bailey. I come back with embroidery floss. <laughs> <laughs> 
I agree totally, Toby, about the beginning. And also, I don't know if you guys had this sense, but the first chapter is told from the perspective of like the town busybody. And I was like, okay, this is a little boring. But then as soon as Anne gets on the screen, on the screen, Mm -hmm. as soon as Anne gets on the page, it's a breath of fresh air and you immediately understand she is so charming. Yeah. Talking your ear off, but it's so adorable and her perspective is so refreshing. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to like this book. And you're at a 10. I need you at like an eight right now. (laughs) I was going to say, I found her a little over overwhelming initially especially when she's at her youngest initially (laughs) well yeah let's just say looking at the pages of this book dear pages you will see large paragraphs with no breaks and you'll find that those are just Anne monologues (laughs) just Anne. i know bailey me too i was mystified as to why the first chapter is from rachel lind the like lamest person in town (laughs) and like her (laughs) troubling over why matthew's taking the whatever horse and bridle to town honestly i was not stoked on that first chapter but then yeah once Anne appears on screen it totally changes I love Anne I love her long paragraphs my favorite is she'll go on for like five pages and then Marilla will be like are you done <laughs> there's, a, there's a really good <laughs> yeah. line was it when Marilla says like can you be quiet it's like I'm be quiet like no one's business and then she's quiet all day and she says like this feels very Let's wrong split the difference <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I I think I don't know about you guys but I think it's structured very episodically and I think it's meant to be read as like bedtime stories like each That's chapter exactly what I thought yeah is like Anne's adventure of the week. What trouble's Anne going to get in mm-hmm. this week? Um, Until the end, it starts to like go quickly through time. And yeah, she ends up as a young adult, if not adult. Um, So, you know, it, it progresses. But I did feel like, oh, these are meant to be read like sort of chapter by chapter and then taking a break. Yes. Yeah. And I think they'd be like reasonable amounts to read to a kid when they were going to mm-hmm. sleep. Though it does. You're right. It really does accelerate at the end. All of a sudden it's like, and a year passes in this chapter and a year uh-huh. passes in this one too. <laughs> I just think it's interesting how L.M. Montgomery writes because she does a lot of how am I going to describe it? She like talks up an event, let's say like going to the picnic that Anne is so excited about. And then the next paragraph is Anne came back from the picnic and told us like how it went. She kind of skips over the things that you can imagine how they went, even if they're big events. Um, And I thought that was interesting. It does make it go quicker. That's true. Yeah. I mean, especially because there's so much like preamble to how excited Anne gets to do something. Yeah. Like have tea at the manse. Boom, 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 boom. Tea at the manse. It is kind of weird too. It feels like Ellen Montgomery, not snarky, but she does have like a very weird sense of humor that like she understands how ridiculous this all is. So oh, yeah. like, we just make fun mm-hmm. of everyone. Yeah, I, I actually I was surprised uh, at how often I found it quite funny, like pretty dang funny. Um, either Anne's ridiculous over the top dramaticism in every single moment that is, I think, 85 percent of the time charming and I think 15 percent of the time a little much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I can say, honestly, like by the middle to last half of the book, I was like, OK. This is a lot of Anne for me. <laughs> Do you think, though, if this had been read to you as a child and you got a chapter every night, you'd feel differently? Oh, no. I would have loved it as a child. Yeah. I think it, it's yeah. part of the cramming of it all. It's kind of like, okay, yep. more adventures, more adventures. But if we had read it night by night, if I were to read this to Maggie, I think it'd be a different experience. No, Maggie can't be like this. I don't know. I really want to have a kid <laughs> like Anne. I told you to go out and give me an orphan boy to help out with farming and said you brought back a theater kid. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, I also think these episodic things are a little hard to read as an adult. You see the setup as an adult and you're like, okay, I know how this one's going to play out. And it plays out exactly as you guess it. Whereas Mm -hmm. as a child, you'd be like, what? What is going to happen? When she climbs up on the roof, what will happen? And you're (laughs) like, okay, well, I know what's going to happen. Also, I mean, to that extent, LM is a little uh, direct with her chapter titles. Yeah. So (laughs) to the point where if I were reading this to my hypothetical child. I don't know if I would tell them the chapter title because it's like mm, and this one Anne explodes. Oh, okay. So I guess it's going to happen here. What about the chapter that's called The Reaper, The Bringer of Death? Like what? Yeah, that one came out of nowhere. Did it feel like the meme of um uh the Always Sunny Philadelphia titles when it's like they're talking about something and then it's, huh, I wonder what's going to happen. And it has to apologize. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit yeah, like that. Yeah. Guys, how much do you respect Anne for committing to hating Gilbert Blythe? <laughs> for how many years, would we say? From like age 11 to 16. Yeah, like, yeah. You called me Solid carrots decade. one time. That's the end. Never again. <laughs> Dead yeah. to me. There was one passage, I wish I had it, but it was like, Anne got a sense that maybe she should forgive him. And then she remembered, no, I will never forgive you. (laughs) No, I will never. You know, I was thinking as I read those sections, I was like, Bailey probably really appreciates (laughs) Anne's perspective here. She knows how to hold a grudge. I loved it. Uh 
Also, we should say that we might get into some spoiler territory because this is sort of the nature of what happens whenever we uh, all read the same book. So if you're not uh, feeling and spoilers, you know, maybe skip ahead a few seconds. But I don't think we're going to say anything yeah. too crazy, like the, the central things. Well, but we might say things like she holds a grudge for a decade. <laughs> spoiler alert, they do end up adopting Anne. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it's not just Anne, like, haunting their house and, like, stealing food from them for... 200 pages honestly i would read a book of and just kept get, keeps getting returned to different families oh, no. <laughs> That's so dark. it doesn't say Anne who lived at green gables it says Anne who was at green gables okay raise your metaphorical hand if anybody googled what a gable was me nope i know what a gable is yeah it's um it's like part of the house like the house yeah of live gables. in the woods they're kind of hard to describe but in like a two-story house, usually they are like projections outward from the roof that usually contain like a window or maybe like even like a small widow's walk or something. Yeah, it's like That's triangular. What I think a is. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is my understanding. I just thought it was confusing in the book when she'd be like, and Anne went to the Eastern Gable. And I just feel like I never would say that in the house. But in Green Gables, you know, maybe yeah, that's how they do it. It's Canada. <laughs> I did like all the Canadian stuff because at first you assume it's it's the U.S. and then they'll be like, huh, I'm learning Canadian history. And you're like, where are they? <laughs> I want to go to Prince Edward Island. Anybody else? I mean, no spoilers for actual history, but Prince Edward Island gets a real bump in tourism <laughs> thanks to this series. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say that's not a spoiler is that I have a middle name and it is A-N-N. Ooh, gross, boo. Boo, the bad one. Why isn't Cordelia? <laughs> And growing up, I knew that Anne with an E was better um, instinctively. And then it was confirmed in this book. So I just have to share that. And if you are giving your child a middle name that's Anne, make sure to add an E. I'm just going to call her Gables. I did like the line that she's like, I just the way she says my name, I know that she's putting an, an E at the end. And just <laughs> go to bed, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's 4 a.m. We got to keep talking this out, Marilla. <laughs> I think we, you know, we've covered that, like, you know, the beginning of the book, there's a bit of suspense, a couple chapters. Do they adopt her? You know, do they keep her or not? That passes. A large portion of the middle of the book is kind of these episodic chapters, you know, Anne's Adventure of the Week. Then I'd say the last, I don't know, not even quarter of the book, but last section of the book, there becomes this overarching theme. And here we get into spoiler territory. Pages, skip ahead if you don't want to be spoiled for Anne of Green Gables. Spoiler, spoiler, Where the plot kind of circles around Anne's higher education and what she's going to kind of do with her life and so she is very studious she's very smart she and gilbert her you know rival slash strangely handsome friend she does like his chin Mm. Uh uh-huh that's like the only part of him she says is actually handsome i think (laughs) um they have been academic rivals their whole life they attend the same god would you call it they call it something like a college but it's not a college it's like a preparatory school for teacher preparatory for teacher yeah yeah there's a one-year and two-year program depending on how challenged you want to be and you have to Mm -hmm. take an entrance exam and if you're smart you do it in one year and if you're josie pie josie pie sucks i did actually hate josie pie oh yeah she's the worst so anyway, so they, you know, Anne goes through Queens. There is one scholarship available for, you know, further education, what we would think of as university, which is to Anne a very unreachable height. Very spoilers. She gets it. She gets the scholarship. However, when she returns home for her final summer before leaving Green Gables, perhaps forever, dramatic events take place. Take it, Bailey. Reaper, the bringer of death. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This is when we have that chapter. <laughs> so so Matthew dies, which is very sad. So sad. The reason given for why he dies is also important. <laughs> I forgot. Why does he die? <laughs> he dies of shock because the bank failed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they lost all their money because apparently they were just giving their money to this guy named like Jeff. Oh, yeah. He's like, well, I can't yeah. do a bank anymore, guys. Sorry. Yeah, their dad liked Jeff. And so they always banked with Jeff. And <laughs> turns out Jeff sucks. And Jeff is like, the bank is good. We're all good. And then he looks and the newspaper finds out the bank has failed and then dies of a heart attack. Yeah. I found it really sad, but then I felt like they kind of like wrote him off kind of quickly. Did you guys feel that way? Maybe just uh, I don't know. It was like a pretty solid chapter where Anne is pretty torn up and so is Marilla. And I didn't think like it dragged on too long because I didn't want it to go on for very much longer. I was like, okay, we get it. They're sad. So they've been saying for about 10 chapters, Matthew's heart is really acting up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
and Marilla's going blind. It really gets pretty rough there at the end. <laughs> yeah. And so Anne has to give up her scholarship and stay in Green Gables to help Marilla. But luckily... Well, she doesn't have to. She chooses she to. She chooses to. I think that's pretty crucial. And Gilbert gives her his teaching position in town. Mm-hmm. And they uh, strike up a perhaps romantic friendship. After, an, uh, honestly, an interesting and satisfying chapter that Marilla goes into her, like, unsatisfied romantic life where she basically, like, spurned this guy one time and then never went on a date again. And he, like, left her alone forever, um, which I'm laughing about, but I actually found quite sad and touching in the moment because, you know, it was like, whatever, 1860, that kind of stuff happened. I kind of loved Marilla in her very specific way. Yeah, me too. They would describe her being like, oh, what she said versus what she thought was very different. Like she would say, Anne, get Mm -hmm. it together. I don't want this. And then in the back of mind, she's like, she's the best. I'm so proud of her. So I do want to know how you felt about Anne's um, commitment to scholarship. And if you saw anything of yourself in it, Bailey. I'm just (laughs) saying it's very helpful to have somebody that's your rival that pushes you to even do well in geometry and, (laughs) you know, to go for the first class degree, not the second class degree, Josie Pye. Um, So, no, I don't I don't see myself in it at all. I would say I would just say it's relatable for all people. Yeah. You don't have red hair. (laughs) So my favorite parts of the book were the very beginning and the very end. I thought the very beginning was suspenseful and interesting and charming. The middle got a little bit wearying for me as an adult. And then the end, I think, really packed an emotional punch. I found myself genuinely sad at Matthew's death. I found myself moved, if a little conflicted, by Anne's choice to stay Mm -hmm. in Green's Gables. I don't know in 2022 if it reads the same way as it did in 1908. But even in 2022, you know, she's making a, you know, a self-aware choice. It's her own. And I think it's, it kind of dropped a star for me in the middle of the book, but then the end brought it back up for me. Gotcha. Would you, I mean, this is a weird question because you're, you were forced to read this book, but would you guys be interested in the sequel? Like to hear more about Anne's adventures? No. (laughs) Sorry. I'm conflicted because I'd, I'd like to say yes, but I also do feel like it, it does come to like a, a solid stopping point where I can sort of yeah. imagine happily what happens next. But, you know, down the road, I might be tempted to pick up what's the next one, Anne of Avonlea. Yes. This one's about her being a teacher and I think falling in love with Gilbert. Who's to say? I mean, they did Gilbert talk Blythe? for half an hour after they had already walked Outside home. Outside the house. I know. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's a um, long game. So I'm going to marry him and then I'm going to ruin his life because I've never <laughs> forgotten <laughs> Um, what do you? How about you, Bailey? How did you feel about the end? I I was also moved by it. I think I agree, Toby, that the middle was a bit draggy. At the same time, like if I were to think back on the book, probably my favorite moments would come from the middle. I just think that some chapters mm. are more hits than others. I don't think I'm ever going to forget the chapter where she dyes her hair. You know, for example. Yeah, that's um, a good one. Uh, or when she climbs the roof, or when she gets Diana drunk by accident. Hey, that one's on Marilla. Well, also is the time when she puts whatever it is in the in the, in cake. the cake. And she's like, you should have smelled it. Yeah, Marilla's like, I don't know how you get yourself in these scrapes. It's like, Marilla, how don't you don't put chemicals in freaking food bottles? How about that? And things that say vanilla on it. Um, and so, yeah. so that's all from the middle. And But then there were some chapters where I was like, mm, kind of placeholder. Yeah. However, I do, I was really affected by the end. And I do want to read the next two. Um, I have the next mm. two also they were given to me in the same <laughs> gift as the first one so oh boy that's, that's have part other of books to read i know but i need to hit my goal and maybe i can get through them fast um all right guys i think it's time for us to give our ratings all right ending spoiler section spoiler section over spoilers over 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 so all of you not listening to this point hear us now <laughs> say spoilers are over <laughs> Bailey, what'd you give it I ultimately gave it four stars because I do think it, I really wanted to give it five pages. I really did. And if it was read to me as a child, I think I would have given it five. I'm giving Mm -hmm. it four just because there were some slow moments and it took me longer than expected to get through it. But again, I think that was probably because I had to cram it. So four stars reluctantly. What about you guys? I will hop on the four star train. Um, I agree almost completely with with your review just then, Bailey. Like, I think it could have been higher if it was pieced out more. But at the same point, I think coming at it, you know, in my early 30s, I'm not going to have the same affection for some of the stories. And yeah, it, great episodic stories, but just a little repetitive if you're reading it like a grown up reading a book versus having it read to you. But still very good. Really glad I read it. Four stars. The Haunted Wood. Yeah, you can. Uh, I think you can copy paste Bailey's review exactly onto mine. Four stars as well. Um, I don't have anything new to say, but I do want to shout out a page of 
who will remain nameless because they didn't say I could use their name on the internet. Um, but they emailed us and said they were so excited for us to read this book. And they said a certain line of blasphemy, which is that they liked it even better than Redwall. Um, <laughs> but that they said that they saw certain similarities between it and Redwall. And I actually really saw that because there's this kind of reverence of the natural world. And at the same time, this like creation of a setting that you want to live in so badly like you want to live in Redwall and go to the feast so badly you want to spend the summer at Green Gables wandering across these gorgeous fields and looking at the pines and the dawn you know like there's that you know amazing setting so I really uh, appreciated that email Pedro who will remain nameless and I bet Anne also did name like all the mice and everything in her field too so I mean she mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. did Clooney the Scourge pops up and he's like, Anne, and she talks him to death. So four <laughs> stars for you as well, Toby? Yes, four stars. And Dylan, who really, the final the final say on the matter, what do you think? Yeah, Dylan, are you going to join it's, us? It's funny that it's like the, the ironic thing that everyone said is like, the only thing is it's repetitive, but it's like four stars for the same reason. <laughs> four stars all around. I do want to also nice. shout out that listener who sent us the email, a friend of the podcast, and they sent us an article, which is interesting. And like, we don't have to go too much into it, but there are theories, there are queer readings of the book that Anne is very much in love with her, quote, bosom friend, Diana, but she might not even Mm -hmm. necessarily know that yet. Um, And I thought that was really interesting and definitely something like if you love the book to look up, you know, a different reading of it. But uh, Toby, do you have any facts on Miss Lucy Maud Montgomery? Wouldn't you know it? I actually have quite a lot of facts on her uh, because her life was crazy. Lucy Maud Montgomery, O-B-E, Born November 30th, 1874, and died April 24th, 1942. She was Canadian. No surprise there. Oh, God. Shocking. (laughs) She was known for a collection of novels. She also wrote essays, short stories, and poetry. Uh, Her first published novel was in 1908, was Anne of Green Gables, which was an immediate huge success. Uh, She ended up publishing 20 novels, 530 short stories, 500 poems, and 30 essays. Wow. So most of her novels were set in Prince Edward Island, and a lot of tourists kind of started flocking to the place because of the success of the book. Uh, There is a Green Gables farm, which is now in the Prince Edward Island National Park. Mm. Field trip? Uh, So Avonlea, um, where Anne grows up, uh, is fictitious. Uh, But a lot of the other locations that she mentions on Prince Edward Island are real, such as Cavendish, where Montgomery grew up. Wait, so you're saying Canada is an actual place? (laughs) I did love the chapters where, like, we're going to the big city. I'm like, how big is this city? There are 10 people (laughs) and they have ice cream. (laughs) So, yeah, her parents had a lot of trouble in their early life. Um, Her mother was ill, living with her grandparents. She had a very lonely childhood um, and she created a lot of imaginary friends and kind of credits this part of her life with uh, creating and cultivating her imagination. Her imaginary friends... Katie Maurice and Lucy Gray, and they lived in the, quote, fairy room behind the bookcase in the drawing room of her house. Dylan, we need to have another child. We can't have an only child. (laughs) They're going to make up friends. (laughs) Lucy, it's like five o'clock in the morning. Please, can we just stop talking about the fairy room? (laughs) When she was 13, Montgomery wrote in her diary that she would keep most of her life, that she had early dreams of future fame. Uh, So she wanted to be famous and literary from a very young age. She submitted a poem for publication when she was that age, and she wrote, I saw myself the wonder of my schoolmates, a little local celebrity. The poem was rejected. (laughs) And Montgomery, Montgomery wrote, Tears of disappointment would come in spite of myself as I crept away to hide the poor crumpled manuscript in the depths of my trunk. And that's when she swore revenge. (laughs) <laughs> she is kind of extra, which is very Anne. Yeah. I like it. That's true. She later wrote, deep down under all the discouragement and rebuff, I knew I would arrive someday. <laughs> so she had confidence. <laughs> um, Wait, so you became a literary figurehead out of spite? Yes. <laughs> Seems like it. In 1893, she attended Prince of Wales College in Charlottetown. Loved Prince Edward Island, which will come as no surprise. Um, she did a lot of solitary walks um, in the countryside, and she began to experience this thing she called moment of tranquility and, cl- and clarity, where she felt emotional ecstasy and was inspired by an awareness of a higher spiritual power running through nature. Ooh, I actually have a quote about that. I'm going to interrupt you again, Toby. Please. I forgot to share this in the regular review. This is on page 62 when Anne is saying she doesn't know how to pray properly. She says, why must people kneel down to pray? If I really wanted to pray, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd go out into a great big field all alone or into the deep, deep woods. And I'd look up into the sky, up, up, up into that lovely blue sky that looks as if there was no end in its blueness. And then I would just feel a prayer. I love it. 
It's so cute. And and just pray like a normal person, please. <laughs> so obviously that love of nature, that sense of nature is given to a lot of her characters, including Anne. So she worked as a teacher after getting her license in various Prince Edward Island schools. Uh, she did not enjoy teaching, she said, but it afforded her time to write. Beginning in 1897, her short stories began to be published in magazines and newspapers. She had a tumultuous and interesting love life that I cannot go into here because it's too long and complicated, but she had many suitors. She had a complicated love life. She had a short fling with a man who was engaged to another woman. Very shocking stuff. Drama. Intrigue. Um, So in 1908, she publishes Anne of Green Gables. It's an immediate success. It establishes her uh, as a career writer, and she continued to write for the rest of her life. It was published in 1908 in June. By November 1909, it had gone through six printings. Wow. Uh, the Canadian press was sure to big her up. They made they liked her a lot, kind of really liked to tout that she came from Prince Edward Island, that they kind of portrayed it as this charming, idyllic part of Canada. The American press liked to make fun of Montgomery, um, saying that she was kind of a country bumpkin. These kind of idyllic country stories were only possible coming from Canada. What a backward and slow country. So How dare you smack my slate <laughs> over your head. <laughs> the, her publishers and the Canadian press had an interest in portraying her as kind of the perfect woman of the age who was basically a teacher first and a woman first, you know, a woman of the house first, who kind of did writing on the side as like a a pastime. And oh, isn't it lucky that she was good at it? Uh, This is not how Montgomery approached her writing. Uh, There's a quote in a letter to her friend. She says, I am frankly in literature to make a living out of it. (laughs) She wanted to make those dollars. She wanted to be famous and she did it. She married Ewan MacDonald, uh, who was a Presbyterian minister. They moved to Ontario, and he became a minister of St. Paul's Presbyterian Church. Um, She wrote her next 11 books from that kind of area, and she complained about their house that it had neither a bathroom or a toilet. But it had gables? (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it. So I'm not going to go into super detail here because I don't want to bum people out. But Montgomery's life gets pretty dark from here on out. Her husband was a very deeply troubled and depressed man. Uh, Montgomery would express many, many times in her diaries and to her friends that she regretted marrying him. She did not particularly like motherhood. Um, She almost died of the Spanish flu epidemic in the 20s. She campaigned heavily for Canada's involvement in World War I uh, when it was just starting and then came to deeply regret her campaigning for that. So her life becomes super complicated and pretty sad. Mm. In 1933, interestingly enough, she published Pat of the Silver Bush, which is like a a more adult story. Uh, Anne has a sense of optimism and vibrancy, and Pat is kind of a moody, inward-turned girl who's noted for being a loner. I'm just thinking of Debbie Downer. (laughs) Well, how about this? In a letter to a fan in 1934 who complained about the dark mood of Pat the Silver Bush, Montgomery replied, quote, I gave Anne my imagination and Emily Starr, who's another star of other series, and Emily Starr my knack for scribbling, but the girl who is more myself than any other is Pat of the Silver Bush. So don't say anything bad about her. You just called her a downer. (laughs) In the last year of her life, uh, she completed what she meant to be the ninth book featuring Anne. The Blythes are quoted. Um, It was 15 short stories, which many of which were previously published, that she kind of revised to include Anne and her family as peripheral characters. 41 poems, most of which were previously published, that she attributed to Anne and to Anne's son, Walter. And vignettes featuring the Blythe family members discussing the poems. Um, the, The book was delivered to Montgomery's publisher on the day of her death. But for reasons unexplained, the publisher declined to issue the book at the time. Montgomery scholar Benjamin Lefebvre speculates that the book's dark tone and strong anti-war message, and speaks very bitterly of World War I in one passage, may have made the volume unsuitable to publish in the midst of the Second World War. Mm. Uh, All right, Pedro, I'm about to ruin your day. On April 24th, 1942, um, Montgomery was found dead in her bed in her Toronto home. The recorded cause of death is coronary thrombosis, However, in September 2008, her granddaughter, Kate McDonald Butler, revealed that Montgomery suffered from depression, possibly as a result for caring for her mentally ill husband for decades, and may have ended her own life through a drug overdose. Oh my gosh. A note was found on Montgomery's bedside. The note said, in part, I have lost my mind by spells, and I do not dare think what I may do in those spells. May God forgive me, and I hope everyone else will forgive me, even if they cannot understand. My position is too awful to endure, and nobody realizes it. What an end to a life in which I always tried to do my best. 
Mm, that seems pretty definitive. Day ruined yet, Pejos? Yeah. Yeah, not great, <laughs> um, <laughs> There is an alternative explanation the scholar Mary Henley Rubio's 2008 biography talks about, um, which suggests that Montgomery may have intended it as an entry in a part of a journal that is now lost rather than a suicide note. So that's the alternative there. And that is Lucy Mild Montgomery. Ah. There's a third theory that it's Gilbert's fault. I feel like we're ending on a pad of a silver bush and we want it to end on an Anne of Green Gables, <laughs> but that's okay. I know. I had, I, I, honestly, as I was researching her, I was like, man, I can't lie about her life, <laughs> but it is a pretty serious bummer. Well, let's bring it up by saying Anne of Green Gables, four stars. Four stars. Everyone agrees. And uh, let's play a game. Let's lighten the mood. Andrew, do you have any games about Anne or about Green Gables or... Gables? Yes. Oh, man, it's all about the Gables today. Let's be honest. Nah, it's not really. It's all about Anne. Um, Yeah. So, Pedros, as you all know, I love making games. But this time, Toby texted me during the week this week and came up with a great game that we're going to play. But I'm still going to run it because it's the 100th episode and I want to be the game master. (laughs) Yay. Also, if it fails, it's more Andrew's fault than mine. Absolutely. I will fail. Um, (laughs) So, the name of the game this week is Anne of Everywhere. Mm. All right. So, thank you, Toby, for coming up with this. Now, forget that you ever knew how the game worked because you've got to play now. (laughs) I do kind of forget how I... No, I'm just kidding. All right. So, as we all know, the book we read this week is Anne of Green Gables, and some of the follow-up books in the series are Anne of Another Location. Let's extrapolate that out and follow Anne, our dear world-traveling a la the Doctor and Doctor Who, who ends up in different literary settings and see what she gets up to next. So what I'm going to do is give you a small summary of a story or book, which will be titled Anne of Something. So for example, I tried to avoid things where the title of the book is also the location. Mm -hmm. So for example, sorry, Toby, there's no red wall. But if I were to do that, it would say Anne travels to an animal kingdom and fights off the vicious advances of Clooney the Scourge, and that would be Anne of Redwall. Gotcha. Make sense? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so I have six ones here. I picked only books that we have covered on the podcast, Ooh. which vary from quite recent to well, a long time ago, and so they're pretty difficult. I, unfortunately, Dylan, do not have space for you in this game, but what I would offer you is this. I'm going to ask Bailey and Toby specific ones because they're sort of tailored to books either they're more familiar with or read. Mm -hmm. And if they can't get it right, Dylan, you can steal. So basically, you're the Hoover in the (gasps) background who could come up from behind. You're not going to have specific questions for yourself, but you could very easily win because you're going to have a shot at all six questions, whereas Bailey and Toby only have a shot at three. Bailey and Toby are the Ann and Gilbert and you're the Josie Pye. Yeah, sure. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. Are you ready? Yes. Ready. What a great game. What a wonderful game. All right, first question is for Toby. Uh Uh-oh. Anne takes a position as a winter caretaker in a hotel, which may contain horrors and hedge sculptures. Oh, uh, uh, Anne of the Shining? No, you have to say Mm, the place, Toby. That is the name of the book. That's not the location. I'll give you one more try. Anne Anne of the Overlook. That is correct. One point for Toby. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, Dylan. You almost got a chance to party there. (laughs) All right. Bailey, your turn. Yes. And finds love and marries a gentleman only to find strict rules when they return to his mansion and an unfriendly housekeeper. Um... Well, I know it's Rebecca. I'm trying to remember the name. Remember of the, the first, first line, line of Rebecca. <laughs> yeah. Why am I helping you? Uh, last night I dreamed of. Oh, last night I dreamed of Winterfell. <laughs> Winterfell. Yes, yes. From from Game of Thrones. I'm going to say, Dylan, do you have an answer here? Uh, I, I remember that line too, but I forgot what it was. So, Toby, I'm not going to be able to give you points here, but do you have the answer? Yes, it's um, Anne of Manderley. Last night I dreamed of Manderley again. Or Winterfell, though, maybe. But yeah, Winterfell would be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Toby has the lead, but there's still plenty of time. Toby, your turn. Okay. Anne finds herself in a massive crumbling castle where she must complete many rituals every day. Um, oh my word. I just read this. It's Titus Groan. No, my brain! It's the name of another book in this series. I'll let you think on that while Dylan has a chance to think as well. Maybe you'll come up with it in time. Dylan, uh, do you have the answer here? Titusville? Isn't it like Andromedon? Yeah, Titusville. Yeah, Andromedon. No. <laughs> we were looking for Anne of Gormengast. Oh. oh. It's the name of the whole series. Oh, yeah, it's the name of the on. whole series. <laughs> <sighs> that one stinks. I'm sure it does. I'm so sorry. However, it does mean the game is tied. Ooh. Or it means Bailey has a chance to tie the game right now. Yeah. 
And I think you might get this one. Anne faces a firing squad and also sees ice. Um, mm. The trailer for this just came out, by the way. What is the name of that stupid town? Oh, I don't remember. I bet I, you don't remember. Maybe maybe Dylan does. Um, no, no, no. I haven't given up yet. Mm, maybe sounds like you're giving up. This is 100 Years of Solitude, and it's a town, and it starts with A. It does not start with an A, so you're already in a bad sta- oh, way. Ma- Macon? No. I don't know, Dylan. Uh, Solitudeville? No. You were so close, Bailey, but it's Anne of Macondo. Ah. You got to Macon, like Macon, Georgia. Okay, but I get half. You get no points, (laughs) Bailey. You get no points. So I'm going to switch it up here. I'm going to give Bailey another one because she'll have a chance to tie here. Yes. And that way, Toby can have a chance to win. I really hope you get this one, Bailey, and I think you should. Pressure's on. Anne discovers latent magical abilities while serving as a map maker in a Russian-inspired country. Mm. Anne of Grisha. That, mm, that's that's what she is. Anne of Rotterdam. Anne of Hogwarts. That is a city in the Netherlands. <laughs> um, Anne of Six of Crows. <sighs> You're so close. You're so close, Bailey. Okay, I'm still going to give Toby the last question okay, because I want to see answer? if he gets it right. The answer is Anne of Ravnica. Oh, Ravnica. Eh. I wouldn't have got that. <laughs> Don't you say oh like that. It is a major <laughs> setting in a book you have read four to six books in. Uh, five. Yeah. <laughs> you live in her house. I refuse to feel bad. All right, Toby, to really grind Bailey down here yes. and take the victory home to where it belongs in this 100th episode. Here we go. Anne gets lost here while trying to find her missing cat. I know this. Cat. You didn't read this book, but you are a real staunch supporter of it. Oh, are we talking about the Wind Up Bird Chronicles? Would that be Tokyo? Anne of Tokyo? Well, okay. Yes, that's that. That's fine. But where does specifically the character get lost there while looking for the cat? Oh, let's see. I read this book a very long time ago. Uh, the Well. <laughs> Anne of yep, the there Well. there you go. Oh. Yes, there you go. Yes. Well done. I, I, I wrote the answers Anne of the Bottom of the Well, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, Toby, you won the 100th episode, which basically is worth like 10 other wins. So you're really... Yes. You should feel very proud of yourself. And thank you for playing, everyone. Yay. That was a good game. Good idea, Toby. Good execution, Andrew. I will say that our retention is not great for what we've read, which leads... Uh, Speak for yourself, yo. Two out of three. Which leads (laughs) to the next game. Uh, Dylan, why don't you you introduce our special 100th episode game? (gasps) Yes. Because this will be a quick game that tests all of our retentions. And by all of ours, I mean, not mine. <laughs> and who came up with this game? Who... Billy came up with this game. That's right. But then I wanted to play it, so I made Dylan come up with the questions. <laughs> I'm so worried. As you know, one of the best things we do at the end of the year is we check our retention for uh, how much we remember of each book. Yep. Well, this time we're going to test how much we remember of the first 100 episodes. Uh-oh. I have three books here for each of you. And you're going to tell me how many stars you gave that book. Oh, no. Because I was remembering how we kept getting it wrong when we were trying to remember how many stars. Well, we, <laughs> and specifically me, I think I'm going to finish the bottom of this bottom of this game. I feel confident, but I also know that pride goeth before a fall, like Marilla taught me. And mm. if mm. you get it, well, I guess either if you get it wrong or right, you could get an extra point by naming the protagonist of that book. Yep, that's what I was about to okay. say. Okay. I, I'm excited because I made up this game. <laughs> so he's not the game master, but yes, I also have the lead character written down for each book as well. So you'll have a bonus point. If you can tell me yeah, who Bailey the leader said that. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, we know because Bailey told us. <laughs> okay, then. Bailey. Yeah. How many stars did you give My Sister the Serial Killer by Anikon Braithwaite? Five stars. That's correct. Yeah. And what is the name of the lead character? Um. Serial killer. Nope. My. Um, I I don't remember the name of the lead character. It's Corday. Oh, okay. I got a point. Toby. Yes. How many stars did you give Money by Marnimus? Four stars. That is correct. Four stars, and the main character's name is John Self. Boom, boom. Oh. Oh, Toby just trying to play it down and hitting home runs. And Andrew, how many stars did you give Luster by Raven Lelani? Five. And what's the name of the lead character? I do not remember the name of the lead character of that book. I apologize. <laughs> uh, Edie. Oh, yeah. It's These Edie. are pretty easy ones, Dylan. Are they going to get harder? Billy. Yeah. Why would you say that? <laughs> How many stars did you give Cold Mountain by Charles Fraser? Two. Ooh. That is correct. Yes. And what is hey, the name of either of the lead characters? 
Nicole Kidman. Yeah. <laughs> Jude Law. We'll put you down as a one. <laughs> What's the name? It's either W.P. Inman or Ada Monroe. Mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman. Toby. Yeah. How many stars did you give Crying of Lot 49 by Thomas Pynchon? Four, probably. That is correct. Ooh. And I have no idea. Her name is like Diane, like diaphanous or Diane, like some kind of... Anyway, go ahead, Dylan. What is it? It's Oedipa Moss. Oh, Oedipa. Uh, Oedipa. Oedipa Moss. Oh, yeah. That's right. Andrew. Yeah? Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Four, and I do not remember the name of the main character. I remember my review was, I like this book, but it was bad to read early pandemic because it was depressing as heck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lydia Lee. Yeah. Guys, we're good at remembering stars. Well, then let's go back to the yeah, first apparently. books we reviewed. Okay. For each one of us. Ooh. Well, actually, no. For Bailey, you, the first book you read, you reviewed was A Movable Feast, which is basically Ernest Hemingway. So. Yes. But the second book you reviewed was History of Wolves by Emily Fridland. Uh-huh. How many stars did you give it? Three? That is correct. Yes. And what is the name of the lead character? Creepy Girl. <laughs> We're taking Creepy Girl or Linda. Okay. <laughs> Toby, you had A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. Yeah. Okay. Well, I gave it four stars, I'm pretty sure. That is correct. Okay, and the, oh, I, ooh, it starts with a K, maybe? I don't know. Kate? No, it's not. That's not Kate. What's her name? Francie Nolan. <laughs> Francie. Also, fun fact, that is the second time you've been asked this exact question <laughs> yeah, on the podcast. Well, this book never stopped haunting me. <laughs> oh, Andrew, you might be able to tie this. I think I know, because I remember what my first book is, and I, I, I know the main character. I'm not sure if I have the rating right. Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. Yep. Oh, yep. okay. Okay, so... Yossarian is the main character. That is correct. And I remember not liking it as much as I thought I would. And I think this is when I was still being a little harsher. I started getting nicer later in. So I'm going to go with three. That is correct. <gasps> oh. Yes. So Andrew Toby tied. Yay. Woo. Well, we're all good at remembering stars. And that's what really matters. That is true, actually. None of you guys missed your stars, even though I threw Toby well. three, four stars, which is kind of weird. <laughs> and this is good for Pejos. If you're interested in some of those titles, go back and listen to the old ones oh, yeah. and don't judge us on sound quality. Well, now is the point where Dylan gets to choose books at random from our shelf to read next. We already know what Toby's reading, um, but what, what am I going to read next? For the choosing. The, oh, sorry. For the choosing. The choosing. The choosing. Well, Bailey, I'm sorry that you, you lost the game. I mean, maybe you have to study more. Maybe you need to be a little 122. Schooled by Anisha Lakani. Oh, I just got mm. schooled in that game. Ooh. Um, <laughs> well, this is fun. This is a book that like probably not a lot of people have heard of. I got it at a library book sale. I believe it's like dark academia, people competing in a fancy Manhattan private school. But, you know, it'll be an interesting Ooh. pairing with Stephen King. Oh, man, you toss Wizards on top of that and that's Bailey's jam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Are you reading for Gilbert or Anne in this book? Anne. Always Anne. Always Anne. Um, so in two weeks on the podcast, Toby's reading Fairy Tale by Stephen King. And I'm also reading that, Toby, just so you know. Yes. And I'm reading Schooled by Anisha Lakani. Thank you for listening to 100 episodes of The To Read List. If oh. you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email the to read list podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Goodreads, Instagram, and the Storygraph at The To Read List Podcast. And if you're wandering through the Canadian countryside and you're struck so by the beauty of the landscape that you want to gasp, hopefully you're also listening to this podcast and you can hop on iTunes and rate us five stars. Uh, it really helps us out. So please do it. If you adopt an orphan to help you out around your house, please <laughs> encourage them to listen to this podcast and tell them the talkative little scamp that they are to tell everybody to listen to this podcast as well because word of mouth in all seriousness is our best way of finding new listeners and it doesn't have to come from an orphan you got to be a servant thanks to toby and andrew for co-hosting the podcast with me for 100 episodes to dylan for sound recording for 100 episodes and to jillian beth durkee for composing our intro song see you in two weeks happy reading books books books, books, books. books. 100